Have you ever felt that your jaw is just a little bit too like big for your face and every time that you bite it kind of hurts and sometimes if you chew things a little too long it hurts even more? You need to see a dentist. Yeah, I probably do. Anyway, if so, you might be having a moderately mediocre Monday. Hello and welcome to the Moderately Mediocre Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Richard. I'm TJ. And we are here today... This is a Moderately Mediocre Podcast where we are a comedy, fun, filled, adventure. Adventure. Welcome. Welcome. We talk about things. We usually do. Yeah. No, this is a podcast where we talk about things and stuff and it can, it can really be legitimately anything. I know. I feel like, you know, people say, stick in your, stick in your lane, pick a niche. We just don't do that. <laughs> we, don't do, we don't do any of that. We, we try and we fail every time. So uh, we're like butter, versatile. Is butter that versatile? I guess. I don't know. It goes on a lot of things. It goes on toast. And spreads. That's still kind of toast. Um, corn. In, in corn. In corn. On. On corn. Potatoes. On. Yeah, and pancakes. Ooh, and pancakes and waffles. And, okay, no, you're right. Yeah. It's pretty versatile. Sometimes a muffin. Sometimes anyway. it's salted. Sometimes it's not. Same. Oh, gross. Um. Anyway, yeah, we're uh, we're we're here. We're live. We're in person. We're 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 really doing it. You know, uh, today started <coughs> off with a hangover, not for me, but for other people. Uh, wow, called out. Yeah. Usually, usually it's a a two drink TJ kind of night. Sometimes. This was a five-drink TJ. Five-drink TJ, which I don't think I've ever actually personally seen before. I don't think anyone ever needs to personally see that ever again. It sounds hilarious. It's what It, it hurt this morning, for sure. <laughs> I felt very Jesus-like. Um, the only thing that was missing was the cross and the, the nails, because <laughs> I, I was very... What, you have fucking holes in your hand, or no, are you no. rising from the dead? I, that. I felt like that. Okay. It was Easter this I'm morning. Gonna, I'm going to... Crack a nice bubbly. Yeah, it's not alcohol. Don't get it twisted. My head hurts. Unless it's twisted tea, baby. I'm drinking chai tea. We're very exciting people today. Yeah. We are the grandmothers that you were warned of that will pinch your cheeks at family functions. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's who we are right now. Okay, fair enough. Um, how are you doing? Besides being hungover today, what, uh, what's, mm, what's been the haps? I'm good. Uh, for all of you who listened to previous episodes, we have a washer now. Oh, or we didn't. I didn't know about this part. That's you didn't know that we got a new washer. No. So what ended up happening was the washer. Uh, we were just waiting for so long that they just gave us a new one, and I mean, it could I mean, have been works. rectified. I feel like that could have been like earlier, way earlier. I agree. How long was that? Like over a month? Yeah. Damn. Yep, over a month. Just over a month, I think. I haven't been back to the laundromat since that fateful day. That's fine. I don't think we need to go there. <laughs> I do. Well, maybe. Sometimes. No, like legitimately, I, I have so much laundry left. You should left. probably do laundry, I guess. I should probably do laundry. Um, let's see. What else do we have to do? Oh, um, hey, yeah. Um, how are you, though? Oh, yeah, great. 
That's good. No, actually very good. Took a, decided to take a little bit of a vacation from work, uh, which is the first time I've done that. We ever. love this. I like, I like it taking care of yourself, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm doing some self-help, some self-care, some self-hair. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> um, last week... I talked about a whole bunch of fun space things on the Patreon mini. Yep. And you know where you can find that, TJ? Uh, you might be able to find it on a on the the page, tr- Patreon. On oh, <laughs> Patreon. That's right, folks. You can find us at patreon.com slash moderate pod. And yeah, so there, there's a few minisodes there now that are exclusive to the patrons. Uh, they probably will come out at some eventually. point. Eventually. Yeah. Maybe do a little compilation of them or something compilation compilation is that how you say it compilation not compilation yeah it's compilation damn oh my god guys this is the first time this has ever happened in the history of my whole life okay this is the first time i've ever corrected somebody on the right word damn i'm flabbergasted what a weird day what a weird day. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, follow us on Patreon. We got good things over there. We got some digital art that we're working on. We got some... Yeah, we have some things cooking. We got um, some things cooking, and you can get in the cooking kitchen as well by giving us... Mama. By giving us your money. Yeah, if you to, want, if to, you have it, to, to give. To cook for you. Well, the thing is, is, like, if you're into puzzles or if you're into, like, you know... Um, ooh. Hmm... Cryptids. If you're into puzzling cryptid, cryptids. Cryptid crypt, cryptid cryptids. Cryptic cryptids. That that's, that's the one. That's going. the word. Yeah. yeah. There might there cryptids. might be a little bit of a game that goes on that we've got that uh, may or may not have prizes because I, I don't know. We haven't actually talked about that part yet. Yeah, we haven't really <laughs> talked about that part. But there will be something that's kind of interactive that you can yeah. get monthly if monthly. you wanted to be mm. a patron of uh, our friends. So do it. If you want. No, do it. If you can't, I understand, but... No, do it. Okay. Anyways. On to the uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> on to what we're going to talk about today. So let's see. I think I started last time. I think you did. I think... So are you... Are you kitted and caboodled for... Well, I mean... What the fuck is a caboodle? Uh, Kitten caboodle, you know? That. Yeah. Is it a poodle? Is it a, is it a dog? Is it a reference to... Like, kit... Reminds me of like cat and caboodle is a dog. So it's well, like a kit, cat and dog. kit I think is like your backpack and your your oh stuff. I don't know what the fuck caboodle is. All right, we're gonna Google search real quick. Are you gonna Google search caboodle? I'm gonna search up kit and caboodle. Okay. Uh, kit and caboodle. Kit and caboodle. 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 Wow, it's spelled exactly like I would have expected it to be. Uh, Pet is... supplies. So maybe it is. Kite and caboodle. This is really upsetting to what me. What does it mean? Anyway, um... Keep going and I'll, I'll search. Yeah, meaning. No. Here meaning. it is. Kit and caboodle, which is spelled with a C in this... Oh, it means the whole lot of persons. Oh. Uh, the whole lot of persons or things. All of something. Kit and boodle. This is terrible. This is, this is getting into weird territory. I don't like it anymore. It's in Collins Dictionary. I hate this. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess we'll just dive right in here. Let's um, dive right on in. My favorite way to get into the shallow end of the pool. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that as a 
former lifeguard, that would really hurt. I've done it. I've strongly advised don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't do those things. I strongly advise don't. Um, okay, so we're going to start today off with a color. Ooh. What's your favorite color? My favorite color? Yeah. I, I was having this conversation last night, actually. I have a favorite color that I like to wear, but I also Ooh. have a favorite color that I don't think that I would wear really ever. But it's my visu- visually color. pleasing to you. Yeah. So like... What's your favorite color to wear? Favorite color to wear is army green. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Love army green. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen you in your army green shirt. That one that I have. That one the that you one have. shirt that the I have. The one that I can think of. Yeah. I love that color. If I could have my entire wardrobe that color, I would. Huh. Um, but my favorite color, like I have water bottles. I have different things that are this color mm. is... Um, like the Tiffany blue teal color. <laughs> Shut up. I know. So fucking stupid. Yeah. Pardon me. I'm just going to pop some fucking pills. Oh, my God. You didn't take those earlier? No, I forgot. Anyway, uh, Tiffany blue, huh? Like the teal. The teal. Yeah. Sure. Mine, I think, is green. Not quite the army green, but like also not the bubbly green. A little darker than that. I guess that is kind of army green, isn't it? It depends. Army green's like more of like a warmer toned green. You're a warm toned green. Thanks, I think. I, yeah, I don't know if that was a compliment or not. Anyway. I don't know. You sounded a little aggressive about it. So. I, think, I think I might have been. <laughs> so where are we going with colors today? It's funny you mentioned green. Oh. Because we are about to talk about chartreuse. Chartreuse? I thought that was red. No, ma'am. All right. Here's two corrections today. <laughs> Chartreuse. Chartreuse. It's a green liqueur. Oh, yeah, it is a liqueur, isn't it? And that's what we're going to talk about here today, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, non-binary folk. We are talking about the liquor. The liquor. We're going to go and take it all the way to, oh, man, Chartreuse, which is a place in France. Chartreuse. There's a big old mountain. Mm -hmm. There's some big old monks. (laughs) And they make this liquor. (laughs) Some big old monks. Caught you off guard there. Um, So I'm going to really do a terrible job, I think, at the history of it because there's so many numbers and letters and things that have happened. Um, I love it. Hit me with numbers and letters and things that have happened, please. But just, just we'll we'll get through the basics first, okay? Mm. So it's a green or yellow liquor. Yellow? Yeah, they have both. Disgusting. So it's green and yellow. The yellow one is just kind of cut, I guess, cut with, I don't want to say cut. What is it? There's honey in it added to it. Spliced? Mixed? I don't want to say mixed either. I guess it's like, like it's distilled. distilled. Yeah, distilled with honey. With honey. Yeah. Involved with it as well. So it's a little bit of a sweeter, um, like smoother flavor, I guess. I haven't tried it, but. I don't think I ever have tried chartreuse. I haven't either. I kind of want to after this. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's. Made by Carthusian... I can't say the word. Carthusian? Where's the word? Carthu... Carth... Sure. Carthusians. Carthusian monks since 1737. Mm. Um, the instructions were originally... So the instructions for the recipe were originally given by uh, François Anibal Destre. Wow. In 1605. Good French. Thanks. I practiced. <laughs> <laughs> um, the liquor is said to be made from 130 plants. Like, what, like a leaf each or something? 
no like that's that's the blend <laughs> like it's 130 plants why never mind i don't care why I do care why. Is, I mean, please tell me why. But, I just, <laughs> Richard's just like, please, I need to know. I don't no. need to know. Um, but that, that's the only known element of the recipe. Oh. Like publicly known? Yep. Interesting. The rest is kept under, under tight wraps. By two people. Only two people. Only two monks know the recipe. Wow. I bet you they never fly on the same airplane together. Why? Oh. Well, if the plane goes down... No more chartreuse. I don't think they can fly. I think that, like, they're they're pretty. They live a pretty solitary life. Yeah. Okay. And rudimentary. Rudimentary. I don't say that in a rude way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's very like they live a they live a low key off grid life. Yeah. It's the, mon- in the, in the, the monkly the, way. In the monastery. <laughs> monkly, the monkery. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's a monastery. Yeah. Not a monkery. But the only place that's <laughs> actually publicly, like you can actually go and see and do tours and stuff, are of the... The Abbey? No, it's the outhouse. Oh. I don't think it's the actual, I don't think it's the outhouse where they, they go... You mean like the latrines? I don't think it's that, okay. but it's called an outhouse. And I, I don't know, the, the video that I watched on it briefly mentioned this as like now it's turned into a museum to like kind of show people like how monks live their lives but like the actual monastery itself is off limits for the public interesting did i ever tell you when i was in germany i went to a monastery where the monks had been brewing a beer for like 400 years very similar deal no no way yeah it's cool yeah they've been they've been doing they've been doing liquor long before we gave them credit well i mean it's how they made money yeah, it still is. Still is. Crazy. Yeah, they make a lot of money. I think it was upwards of like, I, I'm going to butcher this because I always either do 15 or 50, and I never really know. <laughs> so it's either somewhere between 15 and $50 million. Okay. You know what? That's... Uh, As revenue. But... You, you want to get into the liquor making business? No. Okay. Actually. Maybe. Perhaps. More on that later. Oh, my God. Um... But basically... I don't know what she's talking about. You'll know. Okay. <laughs> it took more than 150 years of research for these Carthusian... I, I think Carthusian is right. It doesn't sound right in my, in my mind. Carthusian? 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 Carthusian. No, that, that let's, let's just call them Carthusians. Carthusians. Um, Carthusian. To unravel the secret of the manuscript given from... François Danibel Destre, because um, they needed to fix the recipe. Mm. The original chartreuse, I guess, as a liquor form, was actually called elixir végétal, and that was a vegetable elixir. Yeah, I guess. Like, nice. It was kind of the an initial purpose of it was to you know put some on your tongue to help with the cold or the flu. It was supposed to be like this elixir that essentially was a was a, a promoting health. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like well-being and stuff. Um, I mean, then, it'll certainly put a spring in your step. Yeah, and it's like back then. I think it was like even f- upwards of seventy percent. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, that would fuck you. Up. That would pretty. Imagine just a bunch of monks getting in. drunk on chartreuse. I don't know if they would ever really get drunk, would they? Well, I don't know. I don't know either. So basically, um, one of the 
things that see i'm not good with history <laughs> that's okay because i don't you, think this is history this is just war no there, there are, <laughs> oh, shut up so okay there is a history behind it and it's like the reason why it took so long for the buys to figure out what was in it to be able to like make this elixir vegetal was because first off it's not well written for, for the time it is not well written it's like literally listening to me talk it's you, just, you, you can't follow it i'm doing an okay job right now you are well um but a bunch of shit happened where all of these monks were i guess i don't want to say exiled but i guess they are exiled in a way so they had to go to the chantreuse mountains Ooh as like a form of a hideaway type place. Oh. And then of course like they started to like make their own means of of living with have like starting a community, I guess. Well, wait, why why did they have to go? Were they like They were expelled from France in 1793. Oh. Um along with all other religious orders and manufacturers of the liquor ceased. Interesting. So, huh. A copy of the manuscript was made and kept at the monastery. Mm-hmm. So it was held there. And then, um, this is kind of funny. It's not funny at all. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that it was funny. <laughs> it says, like, funny weird, okay? The original one was, like, left with one of the monks. On the way there, one monk was arrested and then sent to prison in Bordeaux. That is pretty funny. Anyways, he was not... Uh, searched and was able to secretly pass the manuscript to one of his friends wow so just got through on like a guard not doing their duty yeah essentially there's like a whole bunch of stuff that's like insane like there were um oh man what is this called an avalanche i think there was an avalanche of some description (laughs) and like like the way that this this actual like manuscript like recipe Mm. has made it to this point it's pretty ridiculous it's pretty ridiculous sounds like the crabby patty recipe or something the crabby patty um yeah so i think that's pretty well a terrible explanation of the history behind it um (laughs) but what happens essentially when you're (laughs) when you're when they um bring it to the distillery was they so the the two monks that know the Mm. elements of the 130 plants and Mm -hmm. the proportions they pick and get all of the ingredients together in these white bags. So you don't really know. Never brown bags. No. Well, you don't really know like what is in it because it's all mixed up together. Oh, I see. I see. It's to, it's to hide the contents. Yeah. Hmm. And then they give it to the distillery. So it goes. Fr- it's from the monastery. So they, they have these prepackaged things. Oh, the distillery is not in the monastery. No. Oh. And then they give it to the distillery people Mm. and then they are the ones that have to distill it but even they have no idea what's in it huh like of course like when people have tasted the liquor based off of their um accounts of it i guess it's very herbal it's very obviously there's 130 fucking plants in it but like (laughs) i was gonna say i'd hope so yeah yeah right liqueur or vegetal but basically they have notes of uh star anise anise Mm -hmm. Um, fennel, fennel, mint, mint, pepper. pepper. It's like very like, I would imagine it's like the liquid version of pesto. That's kind of what I think of in my head. Pesto? Pesto? 
Like, oh, pesto. Yeah, like a fuck ton of basil. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know if it's actually basil. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll, have to, we'll, we'll have to get some and try it and report back. Yeah. I would love, yeah. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a tasting. We'll do a tasting. Maybe that's what we should do for the mini. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. Huh. Stay, <laughs> stay tuned. I wonder if the liquor store has any yeah. chartreuse. I don't know. I, I didn't look, actually. I don't know how much the stuff goes by the bottle. But it's probably fairly expensive if it's I only thought, made by one place. I thought it might be. What kind of brought me to talk about this, though, is I was watching um, Drink Masters yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the contestants used this particular spirit, I guess, as a as a base for one of the drinks. Mm. And it looked really cool. And that then the judge was like, yeah, it's interesting that you made it with a chartreuse. Uh, it's actually only known, uh, the recipe is only known by two people in the world at a time. And I was like, what? So I thought well, here really we cool. go. Um, I think I watched that episode. It's a fun show. Have you seen it? Yes, you, you just said that. Yeah. Sorry, my brain's delayed. It's today. okay. I'm, I'm feeling the same way today. My brain feels like it's five steps behind. But maybe that's because I just took my pills. Who knows? Maybe now I'll be back with the game. Drew's Al- Liquor Store. Liquor Store. Liquor Price. What's oh, the price to liquor? Actually, it's not bad. Oh, this is BC. Oh. $46 in BC. Okay. That's not the worst. It's probably Do somewhere we have an A&L, similar around here. ANBL 39.99. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe we maybe we will do this for the mini. Maybe we will. So, the one that you can get um I we think, use our hard-earned Patreon money to buy. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um one of the things like where they wanted it to be so safely guarded. Hmm. Or the recipe so safely guarded um because there was a upcropping back in the day and i literally mean back in the day like in the fucking 1700s um of some people trying to use their own uh, i guess mixes of different herbs and Mm. like put it off as chartreuse interesting okay but the real deal has to be or was chartreuse but it was like on the label it had to say like from the monastery and it had liquor as like as a thing. Okay. And there's also like accounts that this might be the first time that like they were allowed to put liquor as like a label as a such on, on something to sell it. Because remember, you know, liquor was, it was prohibition. And, well, prohibition know. was much, much later than the 1700s. Right. But. but I don't know if this is like the first account of actual like selling, selling alcohol. That's fair. I have absolutely no idea. You'd think I, it'd be I, more expensive. I'm kind of. Well, I don't I don't imagine that this is like the real tried and true deal. You know what? We're we're going to pause this for 2 seconds. All right, we made it. Uh, we, we ran out to the liquor store and got ourselves a bottle of chartreuse from a very kind fellow that I I am concerned for his he, he didn't he didn't look old enough to be serving us. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely was. It was anyway. Not important. Like but he had a brain eating disease and it was starving. Oh my god. That's actually, rude. That's not that's my not joke. Very nice. No, I took it from the useless farm girl. She's funny. Oh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, no, we got it. Uh you wanna read you wanna read the back? I don't know, you seem really excited about it. Read the back. Okay, all right, I'll read the back. It says, this liquor is made entirely accordingly to the manuscript handed down to... Th- I'm going to stop that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> handed down to the Carthusian... Why is this so difficult? Carthusian. What if, it's, what if it's Carthusian? That is. That's it. Carthusian. Carthusian. Okay. 
Carthusian monks in 1605. Its natural color is derived from 130 herbs and plants used in its patient production. Centuries of expertise, including slow aging. Centuries. In oak, oak barrels. Barrels. Give chartreuse its extraordinary aromatic complexity, as well as each bottle's ability to age uniquely. Uniquely. Chartreuse can be enjoyed straight. Straight. On the rocks. On the rocks. Or gaily. Or a classic cocktail. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I love it. I love it. Its Uh, bottle is weirdly shaped, but bottle-like still. I love it. It's very exciting. Oh, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so it has to have that signature L. Garnier, and it needs to be said that it's actually from like Chartreuse. Well, Chantreuse is what it's called. Pas Chartreuse. Chartreuse. Yeah. There. Sweet. Pair would be fathers. 55%. We're going to get so fucking liquored for that mini today. I'm a little um, I'm kidding. We're hungover, just, we're just so gonna we're not going to do We're that. just going to have a little sippy. Just have a little sip of these herbs. A little sippy of these herbs might, might turn you right up. Mm. I don't know why we're doing this accent. Today. I'm not sure <laughs> The car ride over, we were doing it a lot. Anyway. Um, anyway. What else? You, can Continue with your story. I, I can't remember where we left off. I also us. don't remember where we left off. I just kind of think it's funny that it was just made by, like, two two men. Like, it still is just <laughs> made by just, well, uh, safeguarded. By, safeguarded by two by men. By two men. It's because it's made in distilleries somewhere. Yeah. In Chartreuse. Chartreux. 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 Well, I think, it, like, it's kind of pronounced, like, sh- like, not I, I Chartreux, assume it would be like Chartreuse. Chartreuse. Yeah, like a chantreuse, like like uh, like an N, but there's not an N in it. French? Why you got to be such a strange language, huh? I don't know. But basically, um, was that a whole glass full of chart? Oh my! No, I think it God. was with water and and ice. Oh my God! I don't know, man. I don't either. Anyways, so the monks themselves, like they live a life dedicated to Jesus. <laughs> And we all know that, I guess, about monks. But it was they were showing some of the quarters on the YouTube video I was watching. Mm. And they don't have mattresses Damn. on their beds. It's just a board. That's rough, bro. You, like, what? Never mind. We're not going to get into the religious debate. No, yeah, we're not going to go. <laughs> but, like, that's, like, they, they've dedicated their lives to live for, Frivoli- for, for him. Free of frivolity. Yeah. That's it. Crazy. And they make alcohol. And they make alcohol. And here we are with that alcohol. So I guess we're... You know what? This this one goes out to you, monks who sleep in the dirt. I can't remember. <laughs> what? I don't know. What are they? Monks who sleep in the dirt. What do they sleep on? They, they sleep in a bed, but it's not a mattress. It's just like a fucking cot. Not cot, really. It's just a it's plank like a of wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're allowed to eat only one meal a day at lunchtime. I hope it's a big meal. I don't know if it is or not. It's probably not. It's probably like a piece of bread. One shilling. One shilling. A piece of fish and a piece of bread, oh. just as Jesus always suggested. Yeah, it's not really how I would like to live my life. And that's because, you know, we live in a life that we can choose. Let's be real, though. Part. You were basically living that before you got your washer. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I'm teasing. No, you're not. Well. You're, you're, you're kind of, you hit the nail on the head there. A little bit. Living in poverty. Okay, okay, we're not going to say that. No. <laughs> There are people who are way... I know, we're being... 
I'm being silly. Silly goose? Yeah. That's uh, silly goose chartreuse. <laughs> silly goose chartreuse. Oh, my God. We're going to make a silly goose chartreuse cocktail. <gasps> you have to quack before you drink it. Mm, that's that's how it gets all its flavor. That's how it gets its flavor. If you don't quack into your drink, you get no flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows this. <laughs> Everyone knows. Wow, I feel a little more alive after taking my meds. Crazy. Isn't that weird how it works? It is strange how that works. Strange. Speaking of alive and monks. And quacks? Ah, uh, sort of. Okay. You ready for my topic? I am so ready. <clears throat> we got the book. We've got the blue binder. Big old blue binder. So. Big old blue binder. You know, you know, that, uh, you know that famous kids show, Big Blue Binder? No. Bear in the Big Blue Binder. Oh, Bear in the Big Blue House. Yeah, exactly. Except this is a binder. Bear in the Big Blue House. Is that how it goes? No. No, okay. Anyway, uh, I decided to title this one because in my ever-expanding lore of fun titles, I figured, you know what? We're, we're in a new year. What's a fun way to start a new year? With a bang. So I called this one. Are you ready? Starting things off with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> when discussing the art of warfare in the modern world, we typically think of weapons of mass destruction. Nuclear warheads, hydrogen bombs, tactical precision drones, etc. The world is a scary place with weapons that have an explosive yield of up to 50 megatons. How many megatons? 50. What's a megaton? A million tons of TNT. That's a bang, okay. That's a bang. In fact, in 1962, the Russians detonated the Tsar bomb. Oh, yes, the uh, Tsar, spelt not with a Z. It's spelt with T-S-A-R, like mm. the Tsars. The, the Tsars. Yeah, that's right. They did it. Yeah. Um, and to this day, it stands as the most powerful nuclear weapon ever created and tested. So a very, very important line there is that it's created <laughs> and tested there are much larger nuclear bombs but that have not been tested exactly so if a bomb like this were to be dropped on a populated metropolis like london it's estimated that over 5.8 million people would be killed uh, immediately by like a nearly 58 megaton explosion immediately which like as i said that's a yield of 58 million tons of tnt big explosion <laughs> so, uh, you've been getting a, gr- a groundiest things what? lately. What are you talking about? Large. Oh like, this yeah. Is a, well, this is a large thing. And... Well, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna take it back a little bit. Um, I also apologize. This one reads a little bit like a lecture, uh, but like a fun interactive lecture, I guess. But I'm a I'm a cool mom. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cool <laughs> professor. Yeah. Okay. You know? All right. Here we go. So, how did we get to a world with such powerful weapons? While it's a small stretch to say that nuclear weapons are simply the next logical step from gunpowder-based explosives, it cannot be denied that these were their forefathers. So where does gunpowder come from? Uh, guns. Hey, hey. not totally wrong. <laughs> Perhaps we Powder. think of... Okay, also a little more apt. Apt. Accurate. A little more accurate, that's what we're going for. Some people might think uh, of like the 1300s during the Renaissance as single-shot rifles came into prominence. Let's go back about 300 years before that. Around the year 1000, Chinese armies were using what came to be known as fire lances. And lances? Fire lances and rocket arrows for use in combat. Rockets. 
These were, however, developed about 100 years prior in the year 904. Oh. But the actual invention of gunpowder dates back a further 100 years to the early 800s. When Chinese alchemists were trying to create, ironically, an elixir of life. <laughs> so, very, uh, very interesting that in doing so, they accidentally created something that would bring about catastrophic death tolls for the next 1,100 years. Wow. Wild. So, an elixir for not life. Elixir for lifeant. Unalivened. Unalivened. There we go. So it's been theorized that gunpowder dates back to as far as the mid-100s AD. Uh, Though examining the Taoist text that it comes from, it seems much more likely that the powder combination... this This is a quote, sorry. Yep. The powder combination that can fly and dance violently, end Ooh. quote. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Flew and danced violently out of your mouth. <laughs> ah! <clears throat> Is likely a mixture of saltpeter and charcoal, which creates a burning purple flame mm. that can dance and react uh, with other carbon materials. I like purple. Yeah, it's a good color. But before we go any further, I think we should examine what exactly gunpowder is and why it reacts so violently. Originally, gunpowder was a combination of the like elemental sulfur, charcoal, and saltpeter. What's saltpeter? Oh, oh, sweet Tiffany, we will get into that. <laughs> you ready? I think so. Most people have a good idea of what sulfur is, but many likely don't know just how important the foul-smelling element is. Ooh. So let's do a quick dive. I know how foul sulfur can smell. Yeah, it's not. Uh, there, yeah, you do. <laughs> So sulfur is the 10th most abundant element in the universe. Mm. And while it can be found in its native state, i.e. the yellow crystallized rock we might be thinking of. Nasty. Nasty. It's far more common to find it in its sulfide form, which is essentially like an ore slash mineral that contains sulfur. So it's not pure sulfur. It's just like a piece of rock that has some sulfur in it. Oh, okay. Know what I mean? Um, let's see. In space, sulfur is created inside stars, where temperatures can reach 2.5 times 10 to the 9th Kelvin, uh, which is a like, really, really, really high temperature. I didn't bother to do any further math on that. No, but, Kelvin's uh, insane. Kelvin's crazy. We're going to talk about Kelvin. We'll talk about Kelvin someday. Uh, a temperature that will fuse a core of silicone to a nucleus of helium and create our boy sulfur. On Earth, sulfur is the fifth most common element as it is commonly found from natural deposits around hot springs, volcanic regions, and hydrothermal vents in the ocean. I like that. Yeah. Those are fun. Moving on. Okay. The next element we need is charcoal. Chances are that at some point... Point, At some point. In your life, you've used charcoal for something, be it a barbecue, art, or when using a Brita filter. Yeah. Mm. Backbone of your household if you sure is. change the Brita filter. Well, we're not going to talk about that. So charcoal is created when wood or other animal slash plant materials are burned at around 400 degrees Celsius in an oxygen-deprived d- environment. Does that make charcoal not vegan? Why would that make charcoal not vegan? If it's made out of plants, or not plants, out of animals? Well, it's like, it can be made from bone and stuff like that, but it's typically made from wood. Right, but like... I mean, like, I guess it may contain animal products. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Just trying to be a devil's advocate. I, okay. 
this essentially forces the wood's other chemical components to burn away in lieu of oxygen and leaves behind only the lightweight carbon husk of the wood. It is now able to burn at a much higher temperature than the wood could ever reach uh, just by itself, and upon burning releases only heat and carbon dioxide, which is kind of neat because there's yeah. no other elements involved in it. Quick fun fact. Back in olden times, a collier, or charcoal maker, was a rather important job, as the proper temperatures and burning methods were a delicate procedure that, if done wrong, could ruin the entire yield. Enough fun facts. Finally, we come to the last ingredient, saltpeter. Saltpeter. So, saltpeter, or potassium nitrate, as you may know it, is a chemical compound, KNO3. Oh, that's saltpeter? That's saltpeter. And it has an interesting and kind of gross history in several different ways. It does occur in nature as a mineral often referred to as nitre, uh, which is a large source of nitrogen, obviously, and yeah. is actually where the name nitrogen comes from. Very fun. Uh, because of this, it's largely used in fertilization of crops. Additionally, it's found itself as a key ingredient in uh, rocket propellants and as a way to keep processed meats red. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, uh, as it reacts with hemoglobins and myglobins, and it creates that, that lovely uh, red color that we love in our meat so much. So if you've had a steak in the fridge for a few days or something, and it turns back to that kind of like light grayish brown, that's the actual color. It's just been like infused with uh, potassium nitrate to make it red. I'm shook. Also used as a rocket propellant, so, you know. Anyway. Um, versatile like butter. Versatile like butter. Just like us. You, you, just like us. Versatile we like We help keep salt, your meat Peter. red. Ew. Oh, Rose. No, oh, my God. No, I don't like that one. I hate myself. Moving on. What is saltpeter, though? Typically, it would be a cluster of nitre crystals looking very similar to salt. Because it's white. Right. Uh, but it could only rarely be found in its crystal form. It would normally have to be found or created. It could often be found in caves where it would accumulate and crystallize on the walls, or it would be found, with quotations, inside bat guano. Yes, oh. massive piles of bat shit and piss. Oops. Yeah. People would harvest the guano and soak it and filter it to collect the crystals left behind. Amazing. Lovely, lovely. Uh, because of its later use in gunpowder, saltpeter became an incredibly desirable commodity for war purposes. However, it was relatively rare in both Europe and the Americas, resulting in some wild methods of saltpeter harvesting. A.K.A. the nitre beds. These would be large fields of human or animal excrement that would be mixed with soil to allow the soil microbes to convert amino nitrates in the excrement into nitrates, which would later be filtered and then mixed with uh, wood ash to create saltpeter. So yeah, just a big old field of shit, basically, and they would uh, harvest it for use of gunpowder. Yep. Yep. So this method saw extensive and desperate use by the Confederacy during the American Civil War. Uh, they had become so desperate for saltpeter to make gunpowder that they set up the Nitre and Mining Bureau to increase uh, and encourage production. Because of this, many nitre beds were created as large fields of rotted manure and straw, which would have to be moistened weekly with urine, dung water, liquid from privies, cesspools, and drains. Oh my god. And unfortunately, due to how the South was during this time, the tending, quote-unquote, 
of these niter beds was pushed onto, unfortunately, enslaved people. Oh, for fuck. Uh, it's said that there was a payroll records from Virginia stating that nearly 30,000 people were brought in to do this work. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a shitty job. Wow. Sorry, that's not very good. <clears throat> it, was, it was funny. It okay, was a, thank you. It was, it was good. Now let's bring it all back. Okay. Real quick to where things all started. Because back in the early 800s AD, as previously stated, monks had been searching for a potion of immortality, a common hunt for many emperors and power players for centuries before this. At the time, saltpeter had been around uh, and used in like medical compounds and stuff for centuries. I'm choking again. Do you want some chartreuse? No, I'm going to have a sip of bubbly. Mmm. Delicious. 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 However, the particular uh, mixture of charcoal and sulfur evidently had not been tested before. So a quote from the, uh, well, experiment states, and here we go into the quote. You ready? Uh-huh. Smoke and flames result so that hands and faces have been burnt, and even the whole house where they were working burned down, end quote. So what were they trying to do? They were, were they trying to make gunpowder? No, they were trying to make an elixir of life. They were literally oh, alchemists okay. just toying around and mixing up different components, and up. this one blew up and burned their hands and faces and the entire house that they were working in. Oh, my God. So almost immediately, the new discovery, which was supposed to be, again, the mixture for life, uh, was put to use as a weapon of war. <laughs> the, the reigning Sung dynasty took great interest in the new explosive and sought to use it as a weapon against the invading Mongols. They're like yeah. old-time enemy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rivals. One of the first true uses of gunpowder weapons was uh, the, the Hojian. I think that's how you say it. Huojian. H-U-O-J-I-A-N. Uh, which literally translates to fire arrow. This rather primitive weapon was simply a small bag of gunpowder fixed to the shaft of an arrow mm. uh, with a small fuse. These, were, these weren't bombs, however. Like, they didn't blow up. They were used as incendiary weapons, as the gunpowder would quickly ignite basically whatever target it came in contact with and was fairly difficult to extinguish. Oh. So it would just, like, the bag would go out, it would burst into flames, but not, like, explode. It would just kind of... Right. And light up oh. the sky like Katy Perry. Okay, all right. Baby, you're a firework. Mm-hmm. Fire arrow? That's that's the sound of fire arrows being fired at Katy Perry, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, where's your sources? Is that what they sound like? Yeah, no, Katy Perry was actually uh, there <laughs> at the time. It's where she got the inspiration for that song. Anyway, about 65 years later, in 969... Uh, Yue Yi Feng and Feng Jisheng were credited with the creation of gunpowder-propelled rocket arrows. Oh my gosh. So these were, again, pretty primitive arrows launched from a bow, uh, but their gunpowder tube was built to launch the arrow with greatly propelled velocity, but still no explosion. So this time it was just like shooting an arrow that would be forced forward by gunpowder exiting the barrel behind Behind the arrow. Yeah, so basically just like an arrow with a little bit of a kick to it. Oh, okay. A spicy arrow. A spicy arrow. Yeah. So fire arrows continue to... An arrow. I hate how good that was. (laughs) Okay, keep going. God damn it. Okay. Fire arrows continue to be used by the Chinese for nearly 300 years. 
They were not, however, the main weapon of the Chinese military, as they were difficult to produce and use effectively. During this time, the flamethrower was also invented uh, under the Song Dynasty. However, this early version of the weapon emerging around 976 was very dangerous. It was a double piston pump flamethrower with a gunpowder ignition. So double piston means... I think that's my favorite sentence you've ever said. It's a double piston pump flamethrower with a gunpowder ignition. Yep. Uh, So a double piston pump. (laughs) Sorry. Why are you like this? Don't spit on my keyboard. (laughs) A double piston pump. A double, sound- pis- a double piston pump. It's a pump that you can. It's a pump that you can pull and push. It sounds like you're trying to beatbox. Double piston pump. Yeah. With like, a gunpowder ignition. There you go. Okay. It's the remix to ignition. <laughs> it's the constant low. ignition. <laughs> Lighten up a flamethrower. Okay. I, I got nothing else besides. Anyway, uh, where were we? Sorry, I just. It was a double piston pump flamethrower <laughs> with a gunpowder ignition. The device was basically a large rectangular container with a long pump on one end. A soldier would pump the piston, which would push flammable fluid out of a spout. It's believed that it had about a 20 meter range, but was heavily dependent on wind directions, and if used improperly, would ignite the operators and explode the tank. This was seen in a big boat battle. They had one of these on a boat, and I guess that the invaders were trying to burn the Song Dynasty's ships. And instead, it just came back and burnt their entire fleet. Sad. Sad for them. Oh, no. So the next major step in gunpowder's weaponry Weaponry. weaponry evolution came in the early 13th century, around 1230, when the Chinese developed the first military rocket. So there's a few conflicting reports regarding, like, earlier use of the rockets, but it's most likely that in 1232, uh, that was the real origin of explosive gunpowder rockets. The report of these weapons stated that they were, quote, fire arrows and iron pots that could be heated or could be heard for five leagues, aka 25 kilometers, when they exploded and caused devastation for a radius of 600 kilometers. Meters. Meters. Sorry. End quote. Meters. Wait, uh, wait, uh... Pot. Uh, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, fire arrow. Yep. Iron pot. Yep. Heard for f- 25 kilometers. Yep. And when they exploded. Yep. They fucked up 600 meter radius. Yep. Oh my goodness. This is likely a large exaggeration as a 600 meter radius is a massive area to cover for like a bomb back in those days. It would have to be very, very large. However, they were given a rather apt name, which uh, Jean Tian Lai, okay. I do believe. I, I looked up the, the pronunciation. I think that's what it was. Okay. Anyway, uh, or Thunder Crash Bomb. It was also known as the Heaven Shaking Bomb. Oh my uh, these were hard-shelled bombs of usually cast iron containing gunpowder, which is in essence the first use of grenades. Wow. Yeah. Is a grenade cast iron? No. Uh... I actually don't know what a grenade is, but I, I just mean that these were like thrown weapons that, mm, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. that blew up. Yeah. Uh, so similar weapons are said to have been in use since the early 1000s, but it's yet again disputed. But the names of the gunpowder pots is both hilarious and amazing, amazing, amazing. ranging from 10,000 fire flying sand magic bomb to burning heaven fierce fire unstoppable bomb. Oh, that's my favorite. (laughs) These were likely more incendiary, again, than explosive. Uh, And a description of these bombs comes from uh, Wuying Zongyao, 
aka the complete essentials of the military classics, as TJ shall read for us. Uh, this particular example is from a sea battle. The men inside them paddled fast on the treadmills, and the ships glided forward as though they were flying. <gasps> Yet no one was visible on board. The enemy thought that they were made of paper. Then all of a sudden, a thunderclap bomb was let off. It was made with paper. <laughs> Carton and filled with lime and sulfur, launched from trebuchets, these thunderclap... I can't believe that's the name. Thunderclap bombs came dropping down from the air, and upon meeting the water, exploded with a noise like thunder, the sulfur bursting into flames. The carton case rebounded and broke, scattering the lime to form a smoky fog, which blinded the eyes of the men and horses so that they couldn't, so that they could see nothing. Our ships then went forward to attack theirs, and their men and horses were all drowned, so that they were utterly defeated. Beautiful. Thanks. I that's, tried really that's hard. That's by Haikyu Fu. Haikyu Fu. Uh, this is, again, just an example of early bombs, which in this case seem to be more in line with like smoke bombs and distractions via noise and the Seems fog, like basically, because they, really they... Fucked them up. Yeah, it didn't sound like they were actually killing anyone with the explosions. It was just they would blind them, drive their ships in, take them out. Not long afterwards, we get the first like true firearms, these simple weapons went through many iterations from the 10th to 12th centuries in China until they finally emerged as the Fire Lance. Ooh. Cool name. Yeah. Uh, this was Actually, I think that the name that you had before was better. Thunderclap Bomb? No. Fire Arrow? No. The one, the long one, remember? The, the 10,000 Fire Flying Sand Magic Bomb. <laughs> burning. You, you don't like it? You, you like that one better than Burning Heaven Fierce Fire Unstoppable Bomb? No, I think I do. I like that I one. I think that one's the best. Unstoppable Bomb. Unstoppable Bomb. But uh, yeah, no, these were fire lances. These are the first true guns, guns. basically. Uh, this was basically a long pole with a hollow center used for close range of around three meters. Okay. So really not very far. Right. Uh... It utilized gunpowder and small debris, or pellets, as a form of minimal projectile damage. But as gunpowder improved, the explosive discharge was increased, which turned it into a true weapon. Something along the lines of a shotgun mixed with a flamethrower. Uh, these were originally used as an attempt to stun an enemy in one-on-one -on -one combat, but by the late 13th century, the Fire Lance had become the very first hand cannon for all intents and purposes. Its payload of gunpowder was increased, and the discharged materials became the focus of the weapon, turning it from a polearm with fire to what they called an eruptor. Ooh. Another good name. Like, they're killing it with the names, yeah. I gotta say. Eruptor. Eruptor. So in the next 100 years, the eruptor increased in size until it was no longer a, like, a wieldable weapon, but a stationary proto-cannon. Mm. Mm-hmm. In around the 14th century, the eruptors came in many shapes and sizes, from the pot the, the poto, the potato cannons. Potato! The proto cannons, which were simply early cannons that launched cast iron bombs filled with gunpowder, similar to the thunderclap bombs, uh, that were like originally launched Are from cannon bombs cast iron? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but th this would launch the bomb. Most cannonballs are just... Cannonballs. Up ball that blasts through things. Right. Um, however, the eruptors also used gunpowder as a propulsion method for their shells. Huh. 
It's around here in the 1300s that gunpowder is slowly being fed into the West, aka Europe, and true militarization of the compound is exploited for its destructive nature. But as I've been talking for a long while now, why don't we save that for the next episode? Oh, this is a two-parter? That's right. Our second two-parter. Oh my goodness gracious. It will connect. It will commence in the next week with the modernization of gunpowder and its worldly effects. Join us next week where we learn about bangs. Not the ones that you decided to give yourself. <laughs> in third when grade. You were, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that has been Professor Richard with my... My, my research into early gunpowder. Unstoppable bomb. Unstoppable bomb. Fierce fire burning unstoppable bomb. Stoppable bomb. Stoppable bomb. Stoppable bomb. bomb. I think I have the same intelligence as a minion. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm on that level right now. Well, let's get some chartreuse into you. Yeah. Let's get some chartreuse. Would you like to wrap things up for us? Let's wrap things up. Let's wrap things up like a present okay speaking of present do you want to know where you can give us money oh my goodness <laughs> it's over at patreon.com slash moderate pod and i will tell you right now it's there oh my god okay yeah if you if you want to see more from us i don't know why <laughs> this right <laughs> Yeah, go go see our minis on there. Um, or if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's uh, moderately mediocre podcast. That's us. Or if you want to give us some feedback, either on Spotify or on Apple Music, or give us a review or whatever else. Um, tell your friends and family. Tell your friends and family. Maybe save the explicitly very... <laughs> very uh let's say swearing heavy ones away from grandma she doesn't need to hear that um i wasn't sure if you were going with reviews or what no no no. i just, just our episodes if you want to share them share them but yeah um yeah as we always end this this is basically a very moderately mediocre podcast and it's not it's starting to not feel that way i know but i'm still very moderately mediocre richard <laughs> We've got to keep going with something mediocre. It is mediocre. You're outgrowing me. That's what's happening. No, I just have more time in my hands than you. I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Anyways, yes. Remember, all of this research is for fun, for entertainment purposes only. If there's things that are wrong, yeah, we always do that. Let us know. Let us know. With a piece of lettuce. And snow. Snow. Let us let us snow. I just got a headache from that. Me too. Okay. Not good. Alright, well, we're gonna continue this over on patreon.com. If you wanna join us there, please find us there. Or or be square like my my new lamp. It's just a giant cube. Yeah, you got a giant cube lamp. Anyway, we're heading over to Patreon. We're gonna drink some chartreuse and we're gonna have a good time. Ooh, I love it. Okay, bye. Bye.